Good morning, Celebration Church. Can we all stand up together? Let's say this. This is who we are. This is what we believe here at Celebration Church. Let's say this together. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning. Uh, good to be with everybody. Welcome to all of our campuses, guys in Stevens Point and Appleton, Westside. Good to be with everyone today and everyone joining us online. Uh, good to be here. Uh, Pastor Mark was supposed to be picking up on the middle of a series he was in that he started uh, on the life of Moses, and uh, this was going to be week two, and uh, I don't know, you might be aware, or maybe you're not, but Debbie had a pretty rough week, and so did Pastor Mark. Um, she got a fracture in her neck uh, while they were up north visiting some family, and uh, what, part of the process of her fighting this cancer thing off. So um, she's recovering, and Pastor Mark uh, asked if I could jump in and preach this morning, so delighted to be with everybody, be praying for them as they are in this season of life right now. I also just want to give you a little update on Dana. I don't get a chance a lot to share what's going on in our lives, but I know a lot of you have been praying for us. And we want to say thanks. Um, in January last year, so it's been about a year ago, Dana was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma, and uh, she had six months of chemotherapy. And anyone that's walked through that knows it's not easy, knows that it's hard. And um, uh, if you're walking through that or you've got a loved one walking through it, uh, we've, we've been through that. And we pray for you and we stand with you. Uh, in that process. And so we thank you for your prayer. Uh, we felt it for sure. And uh, the doctors say it takes about a year to kind of recover, to get back to yourself once you come out of that. And so we had a pretty good summer. Dana even got out and she ran a few different times and was feeling pretty good through the summer. And then uh, August 29th, we had a big party at our house, had all the family over, all that kind of stuff. And we cooked out to celebrate being done with chemo. And uh, Dana, the next day, took her to the emergency room and she had viral meningitis. And so if you know anything about that, uh, she got it from a late summer cold and called enterovirus and it got into her spinal fluid and then your brain is lined with meninges and then those things get inflamed and swollen. So she's fighting off that virus and it's really, really rough. And uh, she didn't do very well and the doctors thought that she had like a stacked bacterial meningitis on top of it, and if you know anything about that, it can be days. And uh, I was talking to her uncle just a few weeks ago, and uh, he's a really good doctor down in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and he's walked through us with this whole process with Dana. And he said, Bob, just so you know, it is a miracle that Dana lived through this and that she's not disabled today. So we experienced a miracle in our lives. Uh, it's interesting, God who is all-powerful, God who is able to do anything, God who knows all, sees all, he's before time, he's in time, he's after time, he's infinity, we can't get our, he's beyond anything, we can't get our hands around him. He calls us into lives of prayer. 
And in situations like that, he asked us to pray. And you guys responded and you prayed. And I really feel like we felt like God moved in our lives. So continue to pray for us. Continue to pray for Pastor Mark and Debbie. And, uh, and then also today, we take off uh, after church and we'll be driving to uh, Mayo Clinic. And Dana's got her one-year scan. And we're trusting God for a great report. So please pray and uh, trust God with us. Amen. The, uh, the key text I want to be in for this morning uh, is found in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, um, to kind of set up what we're talking about and to really just drive the point home. I want to read it out of three different translations, just so we really let it kind of set in on our lives. So here it is out of the New International Version, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17, fairly familiar passage of Scripture. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. Don't you love that? If you are in Christ, uh, throughout the Bible, in the New Testament, particularly in these epistles, these letters that are written, most of them are from uh, Paul, writes most of those, and you'll hear a lot about in Christ, through Christ, in him, in God, you'll read that, and it's kind of this like, you kind of think, well, maybe someone's got that figured out, and they understand what that means, but I'll just read the practical things that I need to know, and we kind of skip over it. <clears throat> but why I want to read it just three different times is because it's really just the point of the message this morning. So walk away knowing that it's important that you are in Christ because new creation has come, the old's gone. The new is here. Here it is out of the New Living Translation. It says, this means anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone. A new life has begun. Exclamation point. This is a big deal. If you are in God, old things are gone and new things have started in your life. Here it is out of the Amplified version. The Amplified just adds a bunch of words to it to help us to try to understand what it is that the writer's saying. It says, therefore, if any person is engrafted in Christ, the Messiah, he is a new creation, a new creature altogether. This is a brand new thing going on. The old, previous moral and spiritual condition has passed away. Behold, fresh and new has come. If you've surrendered your life to God, know this this morning, that there is a brand new you. There's a brand new thing that has started in your life. Uh, today, we are just getting started, aren't we, into our new year. 2014 is behind us. We're jumping into 2015. We're just several, several days into it. And what do people all across the world and all across all of our campuses, what do we get going on? New Year's resolutions, right? Show of hands, has anyone ever here had a New Year's resolution? <clears throat> yeah, hands going up all over the place. <clears throat> has he, anyone ever failed at a New Year's resolution? Yeah, everyone's hands are up, right? <clears throat> we often fail at our New Year's resolutions. And I think that these resolutions point to the fact that there's something inside of us that we know that needs fixing in our lives. Um, I found some of the popular uh, New Year's resolutions on Twitter this year. We'll put some of them up on the screen. Here it is, Twitter, the most tweeted about New Year's resolutions in 2015. Hashtag New Year's resolution, 
be happy. A lot of us were so miserable, and when the new year starts, we would love to just be a little more happy. I think that's a really cool thing, you know, be happy in the new year. So a lot of people set out doing that. Uh, stop smoking. Apparently, smoking can be hazardous to your health, we discovered. So a lot of people try to quit smoking in the new year. Uh, unplug, man. Technology is all around us, and we've all got our cell phones and our iPads and uh, laptop computers and TVs, TVs with internet, all this kind of stuff. We've got technology all around us and we want to spend more time with the people we love. So we want to unplug from technology, work out. We all want to get healthier. By the way, I happen to be in the best shape of my life at the moment. So I don't have to worry about that. But yeah, we try to work out, get healthy, all that kind of stuff. We want to get healthy in our lives. So that's a resolution. Here's another one. PETA, they've got a New Year's resolution for us. Hashtag New Year's resolution to save 100 animals in 2015. Anyone jumping on board with that? All the vegans in the house? <laughs> we got one. Yeah. Crickets everywhere, right? Because we love our pork. We love our beef. But you could save 100 animals. Hashtag reasons to go vegan. So maybe you want to go vegan in the new year. All right. Let's see what else we got. Here's Emily Hauser. Her New Year's resolution, I will treat the fantastic machine that is my body with tenderness and respect. Isn't that sweet? Tenderness and respect. New Year's resolution. Let's see another one. Drita Davanzano. I have no idea who these people are, by the way. Hashtag New Year's resolution to stop cursing. Man, this woman's got a foul mouth. She must be related to Kirsty Gunger. I'm just kidding. Actually, Kirsty never swears. She's got a very wholesome mouth. Uh, she said, I try this every year, and it lasts about an hour. If I pass an hour, I'll let you know I followed her, and she was cussing like a sailor in minutes. <laughs> All right, Jake from State Farm. Maybe you need a new uh, State Farm agent. I don't know who Jake is, but he might be able to help you. Hashtag New Year's resolution. Make a handful of people believe I'm normal before blindsiding them with my actual personality. <laughs> Some of you guys got miserable personalities. You can fake it for like five minutes. New Year's resolution. All right, what else do we got? Felix Jellenberg, however you say his name. I don't know these people. Hashtag New Year's resolution, become less perfect. That guy's amazing. All right, next, next one, last one. Save, oh, that's me, Bob Gustafson. Hashtag New Year's resolution to light off more fireworks outside Ross Gorzewski's house. Hashtag taking the neighborhood back. Hashtag this is war. Yeah, take it, Ross. That's, by the way, that's my New Year's resolution every year. It's to light off fireworks in front of Ross's house. We live on the same street, so I gotta let him know who's the boss of the neighborhood. Uh, Pastor Joe Greer just moved to my neighborhood too, so I might get him in on the fun. Let him know who's boss in my neighborhood. All right, so New Year's resolutions. I think there's something inside of all of us that says whether you're a Christian or you're not a Christian here this morning, whether you believe the Bible or you don't, you're in faith, you're out of faith, there's something inside of all of us that says, one, that there is a way to live, and two, there is a problem with me living the way I know I'm supposed to live. So this morning, I just want to dive in to the Bible. And what does the Bible have to say about our problem? If we're going to figure out why we do these things that we don't want to do and fail to do the things that we know that we should, what does the Bible have to say? Because everyone's offered their solutions. The self-help gurus offer solutions, and they write books. Religion offers solutions. So what does the Bible 
have to say. So to do that, we will read some words from Paul, and we'll jump into the book of Romans and read from a few different chapters in there and read a little bit from Titus and a little bit from 2 Corinthians. We'll just kind of see what does the Bible have to say about what our problem is and what does the Bible say is our solution. So Romans chapter 7, verse 15, this might be familiar to you in the Bible, or maybe it just sounds like your life. It says, I do not understand what I do. Can anyone relate, right? I don't understand what I do for what I want to do, I do not do, but what I hate, I do. And I do not do what I want to do. I agree that the law is good. This could be any law, right? We all relate to that statement. These things that you know you're supposed to do, you fail to do, and the things you don't do, you do, all these kind of things. So this could be any law. This could be your law. This is your own internal compass kind of thing. This could be the law of the land. Um, when I was a kid, I loved reading those things about like crazy laws and cities and things like that, about like you can only have five buffalo in the county limits or whatever. All these different crazy laws, right? Um, different laws of the land. This could be religion's law. This could be any kind of law. We all struggle with this in our lives. Again, whether you're in faith or outside of faith, we all want to live a certain way. There's things that you can do that would make you a better person, a more loving person, a better dad, a better mom, a, a better spouse, a better, better employee, a better employer. There's things we know that if we live this way, life will go well. And if I do these things, there's going to be destruction in our lives. It's like there's two of us, the whole Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde type scenario going on inside of us. Paul goes on talking about this conflict in verse 18. He says, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. So what is wrong with you? Look at your neighbor this morning and say, what is wrong with you? What's wrong with you? Right? You can stop at one. You don't have to keep on going. What is wrong with you, right? What's wrong with us? So what does the Bible say is wrong with us? I've got this stinking puppy named Fletcher, right? Anyone have a dog? Can you train a dog to do things like not get on the couch and go to the bathroom in the house? Right? You can train your dog. My dog knows he's not supposed to go on the couch, but the second I go up the stairs, what does he do? He gets on the couch, right? But once the kids understand that they can tell Fletcher not to get on the couch... Once everyone understands the rules of the house, Fletcher understands, okay, no going on the couch. No going to the bathroom inside the house. Man, you can teach a dog not to do the things he's not supposed to do and to do the things he's supposed to do, but somehow we struggle to get ourselves even to live that kind of a life. So what does the Bible have to say about it? New Year's resolutions, things that we struggle with and we try to fix in the new year. We'll look at Romans chapter 5. Verse 6, it says, you see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, this word powerless is what we just got done reading about, this conflict of I'm not doing the things I want to do. It says that Christ died for the ungodly. Check out that word ungodly. If we're going to understand what the problem is in our lives, we need to understand what Paul is talking about when he says ungodly. What is he saying about us in our lives? Why are we so ungodly? Well, God is God, and we are not, right? God is perfect. We are not perfect. We are imperfect, or we are unperfect, or we are not God, therefore we are ungodly. We are ungodly people in our lives. Only God 
is perfect. And it says that Christ died for the ungodly. We just walked out of Christmas and we celebrate Jesus coming into this world and living a perfect life, a life without sin. He was crucified, died, buried, and he rose again out of the grave. And he said, the Bible says that Christ came in to die for you and for me, the ungodly people. Kind of odd. And Paul says, yeah, in verse 7, he says, very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person, someone might possibly dare to die. It happens from time to time. Verse 8, it says, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So why are we so bad? Why are we considered ungodly? What is our problem? He goes on to explain in verse 12, and if you want to, you can dive into Romans after today's message, and we're just kind of in three chapters, five, six, and seven, and it kind of gets a little all over the place and a little muddy, and you got to kind of get through it, so we'll just kind of pick a few verses. But he goes on to explain why in verse 12. He says, therefore, just as sin entered the world through one man, he's talking about Adam, sin entered the world. There was a time in our world where there was no sin. And when Adam sinned, it says that sin entered into our world. And death through sin, death enters the world through sin. The reason why we don't live forever is because death entered into this world because of Adam. And in this way, death came to all people because all sinned. So the Bible claim that Paul's trying to work out here in Romans is that we all here today are affected by this disease. We're affected by this virus, that's this thing called sin that entered into this world through this one act. And so this sin thing is bigger than an action. It's bigger than just something we do. That thing that you don't want to do that you do, it's bigger than that. He's saying sin entered the world and we are all in Adam. It means we are all in sin, that we are all born sinners. We're born with this sin nature, and that results in actions called sinning, and it results in people that are called sinners, and it's every single person that enters into this world. And it's all of us, every single one of us, we're on an even playing field. We come into this world as sinners, and this is what he says is our problem. Verse 12 Therefore, as sin entered the world through the one man and death through sin, death always follows sin. Maybe you've experienced death in your life because of sin, the death of a relationship or the death of a bank account or the death of your health or the death of a marriage, the death of a relationship with a kid or with a parent. Death always follows wherever there is sin. And the sin thing, again, it's not some action we do someday. It is something we are born with. If you've ever had kids, you understand it doesn't take long for those kids to sin, right? We're all born sinners. Verse 15 says, but, Paul's going to change gears here in the conversation. He says, but the gift, what's the gift? He's going to be talking about Jesus Christ coming into this world. It's not like the trespass, the trespass of Adam's sin. So to give you just kind of a heads up of what Paul's going to work through because it's such a big point, the gift that he's talking about is the gift of right standing with God. He's talking about the gift of righteousness, the gift of justification, the gift about, of being made new. The title of the message this morning is simply that, made new. God wants to make you new and he wants you to live life out of this new creation. And he calls it a gift 
Because it's not something that you can earn. You can't be good enough. You can't try hard enough. You can't give enough. You can't earn your way out of it. You can't buy your way out of it. But we receive it because it's a gift. It says that the gift is not like the trespass. Reading on in verse 15, it says, For if the many died by the trespass of the one man, how much more did God's grace and the gift that came by the grace of one man, Jesus Christ, overflow to the many. He's saying, hey, the gift of grace is greater than this trespass. Nor can the gift of God be compared with the result of one man's sin. This is not even comparable. The judgment that followed one sin brought condemnation. But the gift that followed many trespasses, we've all been guilty of this sin ever since, and brought justification. Paul says that just as we are all born sinners. We're born in Adam. If you are now in Christ, you have been given this new creation. Back to the key text for the message today, 2 Corinthians 5 and 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. Paul is talking about right here, right now. Sometimes we read these verses and we think about, oh, you must be talking about someday in heaven, you know, then I can experience this new kind of life. But he's saying right here, right now, you can experience this new creation in your life. You can experience this gift of grace. You can experience this gift of being made new. You can experience the gift of Jesus Christ and living out this brand new life. The greater gift is that of God, not the trespass of Adam. This word justification, sometimes we think someday, someplace in heaven. No, this is right here, right now. We can break free in this life. Titus chapter 2 says it this way in verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. This is available to everyone. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Why do we have to say no? It teaches us to say no. That means you're going to have to say no. That means the temptation still comes your way. The fact that we have to get in shape every year in January speaks to the fact that temptation comes our way over and over again. And we have to continue to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. The gift that God gives us, this gift of grace, teaches us to say no to ungodliness. Back to Romans 5, verse 17, it says, For if by the trespass of the one man death reigns through that one man, how much more will those who receive God's abundant provision of grace and the gift of righteousness reign in life? You can reign in this life right here, right now, through the one man, Jesus Christ. The gift of grace is greater in your life. Verse 18 Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act, talking about Jesus on the cross, resulted in justification and life for all people. Verse 19 says, For just as through the disobedience of the one man many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man many will be made righteous. Through what Jesus did, you can experience this brand new life. The problem is we're all born in Adam. The solution that the Bible is talking about is that you need to be born again. 
and you have this new creation and sin is no longer your master. That's what we'll read about as we finish up. I want to go through just a section in chapter 6. And then I just want to give us something to think about, something to pray about, something to be active with in our lives. Chapter 6. It says, Or do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. This word baptism. Uh, we just got done, uh, we had a baptism service to kick off our Advent series. Um, and this past year, across all of our Celebration Church campuses, we saw over 100 people baptized here at Celebration Church. Isn't that awesome? We saw over 100 people that said, I am dead to this slave called sin, and I am being raised with Jesus Christ. I am alive in him, and I have been made new. And we got done celebrating that here at the church. People publicly saying, I've made this decision to follow Jesus. Verse four continues to talk about this baptism and what it means in our lives. It says, we were therefore buried with him. This is what we see when we experience baptism. We, exp we see what he's describing. It says, we were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with so that we no longer would be slaves to sin. If you have surrendered your life to God, what we experience in that baptism moment, that death to sin and alive in Christ, what we see someone saying, I've made this decision to follow God, we see that taking place. We see it and we experience it and you are now dead to sin and you are alive in Christ Jesus. You are no longer a slave to that thing called sin. It says, because anyone, in verse seven, because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. For we know that since Christ was raised from the dead, he cannot die again. Death no longer has mastery over him. Just as all of us right now, we won't live forever. Someday we will all die unless Jesus comes back first. But we will all die. It says that Jesus, the grave couldn't hold him in. Death is no longer our slave if you have been raised with Christ. The death he died, he died to sin once for all, but the life he lives, he lives to God. In the same way, count yourselves dead to sin. You gotta consider this. You gotta think about it. It's something you have to work through, this word count. It's something we ponder in our lives. You have to understand, I am now dead to sin. Count yourselves dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body. Sin will try to reign. You say, well, if I've been made new, how come I still have this fight in my life? It's because you were born that way. So you're gonna have that fight, you're gonna to need to continue to say no. Do not let sin reign in your moral body so you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death 
to life and offer every part of yourself as an instrument of righteousness. And it says this verse in verse 14, for sin shall no longer be your master. Can we all say this together? Say, sin is not my master. Say it again. Say, sin is not my master. You are no longer held to sin. If you are alive in Christ, you are dead to sin, and sin is no longer your master. What I want to encourage you to do, it says you're not under law, but you're under grace. Grace is greater than the trespass. As we set out into this new year, how can you be filled up spiritually in your life? Are you spending time in church? Are you spending time reading the Bible in prayer? Maybe you need to say this over yourself. Sin is not my master. Maybe you just need to say it over yourself so that you count it, you consider it, and say, you know what? I am dead to sin, but I am alive in Christ. I want to pray for us here this morning. And I'm just going to use the word I a bunch in this so everyone can just bow their heads and close their eyes. Just let this be your prayer to yourself here this morning. You can just kind of say it under your breath along with me. God, I thank you that I am made new. God, I thank you that I've been given a new identity. Lord, I thank you that I've been given a new family. God, I thank you that I've been given a new nature, a new way of living, a new power, a new spirit, a new hope, a new life. God, I thank you I've been given a new master. I'm no longer a slave to sin. I'm no longer in Adam. I'm in Christ. I've been given a new self, a new purpose. God, I thank you that you've given me a new mind, a new grace. Lord, I thank you that sin is no longer my master, and I will not offer any part of myself to sin. God, today, I offer you my hands, my feet, my mind, my tongue, every part of you, God, to be used by you. Thank you for your gift of grace. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless.